Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is actually brought to you by 40 Strategy. And at 40 Strategy, we provide strategic consulting to help organizations realize and achieve their dreams. Arjun, basically what we do is we help companies and organizations create strategic plans and measure the right KPIs for success. Unfortunately, we found that most organizations only spend about 2% of their time or about 40 collective executive hours on actually trying to figure out and build their effective strategy. And I don't know about you, Arjun, I think that's pretty crazy. Wouldn't you agree? Mm, Absolutely. So at 40 Strategy, your success is our passion. That's why our organization is calling us to help. We not only come up with strategy and proven practices, but we take evidence that Harvard Business Review has already figured out. When you focus on the right key performance indicators, you can actually triple your success. And who wouldn't want that? So with that, we encourage you to reach out at 40strategy.com, or you can email catch, like catch a ball, at 40strategy.com. And with that, I'd like to have a shout out to a mutual friend of both of ours, who is Becca Komar. Becca Komar is the host of the Follow uh, Follow Your Heart podcast, and she is also a wellness coach. And through some discussions, Becca and I worked together back at Cascade Strategy, opened the U.S. office for them. She was a great uh, partner and was really a huge contributor to our team. But I love what she has done next and following, literally following her dreams and passions and through some discussions on helping her, some guidance on help growing her business. She recommended I speak to who is in front of you today, which is Arjun Sen. Um, Arjun, so, so great to have you on the show today. Truly a pleasure. And also my mutual admiration also with Becca, an amazing human being and an incredible strategic mind who is ready to change the world. It is amazing. Thank you for, for adding to that. So we're going to talk about uh, Arjun's background. He's a former Fortune 500 executive and a highly rated international keynote speaker in the brand and customer experience category. Uh, he has impacted significant brands, ultimately to help them to win big. At Papa John's, he led the 3,000 restaurant chain to four years of record growth. He's currently the CEO of Zen Mango. He has made incredible impacts on major restaurant, service, retail, nonprofit, and sports brands on a global basis. Arjun is an acclaimed author of the book, Customer Karma, and he must read for anybody who is in the customer service business. His upcoming book, Feeling Business, is set to be released later this year in 2021. Blaine Hurst, president and CEO of Panera Bread, called him one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business today. Arjun has a degree in aeronautical engineering from the India Institute of Technology, and he also has earned his MBA at BYU. And once again, welcome Arjun to the show. Thank you. It's truly a pleasure and an honor, Carl, to be here. So for those who aren't familiar with Zen Mango, why don't you share a little bit more about who Zen Mango is and what you do on a regular basis? Yeah, Zen Mango was born with a very simple thought. During my days as head of marketing and operations at Papa John's, I realized that it is very lonely on top. I wish I had that whisperer, that ally, who is who has been there and can be with me in this journey 
literally that partner in the corporate trenches. That's what we do at Zen Mango is bring all our experience from the corporate world and help brands impact in the world of branding to make big impacts, big wins, but also to achieve sustainable, consistent results. Mm. I love that. So, you know, that, that touches me directly, right? Is, is not only coming up with a great idea, but getting it done and, and getting sustainable results. And that's something you had practical experience with. Tell me a little bit more about those Papa John days, right? So you were a part of an incredible growth path that you had with them. And, and, and when we had our pre, when we talked several, several, I think it may have been a month ago or over, we talked about ahead of time of what you had done and make a difference in this. Tell, tell the audience and listeners a little bit deeper level of the time period you were in with Papa John's and how that made an incredible difference to get to where they are today. You know, to me, I think for any journey, I feel at the very beginning, instead of being impatient and start running, you have to pause and get an understanding of where you are. At Papa John's, we felt that there were three things and opportunities. Number one, we had a tagline called Better Ingredients. Even myself as the head of marketing, I didn't get it. We are not in the grocery business. The second that we realized was on a Friday, this the year is 1997-98, it took 45 minutes to wait for a pizza, just to order a pizza. And the third was our brand awareness was low. So as we started going through having this holistic idea, what we realized was we needed to solve for all of them together over time. And this wasn't a short-term strategy. Our goal was three to five years, Papa John's will be the top three and then top two. And that's the part where as we started going through, the pause was very important. Then as we move forward, what we realized was the tagline change from better ingredients to better ingredients, better pizza, because ingredients need to deliver the pizza. So on a Friday night, when you bite into the pizza, it has to be different. On the 45 minutes wait, what we realized was our competition, you know, with due respect to them, we're trying to find an incredible 10% better by putting a 1-800 number. But from our end, what we felt was a 10% better still meant a 41-minute wait. I drew this one diagram where the customer was this tiny and the order taker was huge because to depict to our board that you cannot whether it is pizza or any business, survive long-term by making the customer feel not in control. And that gave us the birth to the first ever online ordering system. And the final thing was the most fun thing I've ever done was we started a comparative advertising going against the number one pizza hut. And that PR battle put us right away in the top and the result, fast forward, if you start looking at is Papa John's Online today is a billion dollars a year business by itself. The brand gained close to 145% over four years and never stopped back or looked back. <clears throat> so the whole thing was pause, see all the opportunities, then put a plan. That way you not only are ahead, but you stay ahead. And that was very fortunate to be part of an incredible team and incredible leadership to achieve that together. So 
So it's interesting. I was just talking to my son the other day about this exact same time period. I was like, we didn't have cell phones back then, right? You know, I didn't have a cell phone. I think I was just getting run around 99, 2000, the very simple phones. And then early 2000s, the BlackBerry, I started using personally on a personal basis. I know they were out there beforehand, but times were really different back then. And, and so to tell people, hey, we want to be able to have an online ordering system that was a big, hairy, and audacious goal using Jim Collins, you know, good to great concept. So how did people respond to that? Did they really even think people were going to do that? Did they, did they think they would even be comfortable going online to order something when they may have preferred to wait on a phone just out of trust? So to me, I think the challenge, I think, is, was even bigger. Our founder didn't even have a laptop or a computer. So one of the biggest consultants of all times sent us a fax. Yes, those days we used to have faxes, which told us that this online thing is a risky idea, which meant as it is, we didn't have that much of a budget. One of the zeros were gone right away. So the lot of the battle was internal. So what we realized was a change like this, there are two parts to the change. One is you have to believe and have the conviction that that's the right thing. And the second part is, you don't worry about those consumers or customers who are not ready to adopt. You serve every one of the customers who are ready to adopt one at a time. And I remember we started on Memphis and we measured success based on no overall numbers. We looked at every customer one at a time because we wanted to know early indicators of anything that was going wrong. Because with 100 orders, if we know what was wrong and fixed it, when it became millions of orders, we would be in a right position. So the whole thing was internally accept the fact that not everybody in senior management will be aligned to stay true to the conviction. And number three was, measure success one customer at a time. And that one customer at a time, I feel is a very important concept for all of us. However big we become, we always collect money from one customer, one client every time, which means being present, serving that customer and having KPIs at an individual level is very important. So I love that concept that you talk about focusing on an individual basis, right? There's this, it's, it's, it's easy to take a net promoter score right? This is the, the most common concept we have here today. And boy, if they give us a nine or 10, we're good, right? And if they have a seven or an eight, we're going to attack it and figure out what happened wrong with that. If those who are familiar with the net promoter score process, but you took, I mean, this is still not a small company back then, Papa John's. Nope. And you're saying you're actually going through and making sure that each person who's going through the process of learning how to on, um, order online you are tackling each of these perspectives. How did, that seems pretty overwhelming to me. How, how would you actually get all of that data and just start making fixes where, where you can actually permeate that throughout the organization of this is what we're going to do later on? So to me, I think what was important was there was this one individual who I would never forget. His name is Gary Brunsman. What Gary Brunsman taught us was he was head of customer service he taught us that operationally, we won't be perfect at the very beginning. 
which means he had a backup process. Every order, when it was placed, Gary and his team's job was to make sure that it was in the POS system of the restaurants and they checked everyone. And if for any reason it didn't work, they would put it in. So it was the backup that we had allowed us the time to get to the highest level of efficiency because otherwise, if customers felt that we were not delivering, because think, if I take you back and your family, you order the pizza. You only will know in 40 minutes or 30 minutes that your pizza didn't make it to the system. And by that time, it's too late. Mm. So Gary Bronsman and team helped us by putting this backup system. And that's what we realized is give yourself time to build the process, but make sure during your building, that never becomes an excuse for customers because that was one of the key mantras I learned during those days was with customers, every customer at a time, there's no excuses, just results. When a customer chooses you, there's no excuses. We have to, must deliver the results they want and more. I love this. I absolutely love this. I love um, the concept behind this and helping to understand the personal interactions, even with a really large company. If we don't gain trust one customer at a time, they will not adopt these new systems. They will not gain confidence with this. But the results speak, spoke for themselves, right? You, you did learn, you grew tremendously, and it has helped put you in a position where even to today, right? You know, uh, Papa John's has had such an successful run. So I uh, want to be careful with this, right? Because I don't want you to give anything that's, that's proprietary. But let's talk a little bit about maybe some other now moving into your consulting business that you have here today and, and helping out organizations with, give me some concepts that where you've taken that same concept of, hey, we were going to measure something big, but you, had to, you wanted to go smaller, right, to create the big changes. Can you give an example of somebody you worked with where you had to work through that, some of those same challenges and, and what obstacles do you have to overcome to get to there then? So to me, I think, you know, a lot of the work, what you do and I do is somewhat similar. There's an overlap. Is anytime with any brand, we just look at at the very beginning, what is your actual customer or consumer valuation? It's the equity that you have with your customer when you go to sleep tonight will define your success tomorrow. And then we start pushing by saying, what are the true potentials? And once you look at potential, it's a very simple discussion. Me asking you, Carl, so where do you want your business to be? And you are a smart person. Then the coolest part of what I do is I don't find all the answers. I ask the questions. And then I ask you, so Carl, this is where you are. This is where you want to go. What are the barriers? What stops you? And then the cool question to ask is, knowing some of these barriers will happen. What plans do you have to overcome that? Mm. Because without a plan ahead of time, every problem becomes a crisis. I'll give you a totally random example. Mm -hmm. My wife works for United Airlines. She works odd hours. So my request to her is every time when she's done working, whether it is 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, 
I would re- I request her once she gets into the car to call me. I tell her I love you. I want you to be safe, but can you please put the GPS on with traffic? Because when she has she's somewhat tired, I don't want her to worry about ahead of time some traffic at the road because late night if there's a construction she'll get stranded for an hour. So having that plan ahead every time is very important. And then the fun part is, in this journey, we always come up with a one domino. The first domino, once you touch that, everything else falls in place. I'll give an example of a private school in Denver called Aspen Academy. Amazing school. I fell in love with them because they have best practices from schools all over the world weekly. So my wife and myself, we pretended that we have a five-year-old. We went and attended their open house, and the presentation was boring. It was a two-hour presentation, talked about three-legged stools, and I just didn't get it. So I offered the founder by saying, hey, I want to help you because you are doing something amazing. And we came out with a four-line story. Result is the enrollment for a private school that was at 74% is at a dangerous level because anything below 75, you're losing money. 75 to 80 is break even. Over 80, you start making money. So right now they're at 96% enrollment. And the brand story, now visualize if anyone, all of you are listening, even if you don't have a child, is you have a five-year-old or a four-year-old. You come to the presentation, Arjun introduces the founder as the following. Christina Scala used to work for this conforming school producing triangular, circular, square kids. Sentence two, she quit because she felt there's a bigger purpose in life. Sentence three, she was looking at this beautiful Colorado sunset, looking at the aspen trees and realized that each tree, each leaf oscillate at its own frequency, but they're connected at common roots. Sentence four, She said, that is what the vision of my school, Aspen Academy, is. All our kids will be connected by common values. They'll be better community leaders, family leaders, leaders of the world. But each gets an opportunity to blossom and be the best they can be, Krishna Scala. What is so much fun is every first Monday, if I'm in town, I go there, parents leave with this hand gesture. Like what we feel good is we created a Nike logo that gets through visually into the parents' hearts. And that's it. So I really feel for every brand, it's very important to pause, understand what your goals are, what are the barriers. In this case, was the communication. And then find the first domino. In this case, was find the one story And again, going back to what you have been emphasizing all through is at the end of the day, it is the KPIs. 74% enrollment was a business killer. And then the message has to be delivered to each parent one at a time, them doing the hand gesture. Then you get to 96%. And now the school has opened a new business, which takes the concept of the school, which is a second flourishing business. Again. Four lines, one story, changed everything. Mm. I, I I love what you said there. I, I had a, a an experience of working with another 
this was a charter school based in the Dallas area. And they talked about their most important thing to increase enrollment was the on-site visit. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting about it is they weren't tracking it at that point in time. And you just shared with me, that is the most, you could argue is the most important part is getting the buy-in of what you are about. What is your vision? And I, what you did is taking div parts, a simple, clear story, connecting the world around them to the school, to the kid, to the parent, right? You connected all four of those different pieces. And then you had a visual, right? You know, uh, that the actual were actively demonstrating mm-hmm. to portray it. That's, that's brilliant. You know, I'm going around that and, and I, and, and then obviously you have to live that, right? So one thing is talking about it, then you have to live it. So how, give, give an example, maybe going back to the school, how do you get that? So we're living in, and it's an embodiment of, we are going to behave and act this way on a consistent basis. So here's something, it's not my idea. I learned it from Blaine Hurst, the, was our president at Papa John's, and then he moved on to, went on to Panera. He told me and taught me that you need to stay humble, which means every week you must be a paid customer in your own business and your competition. So think in this case, if I tried to act like this know-all consultant, I would have gone in, given some cool strategies, it wouldn't have worked. Okay. So what Blaine's advice made me and my wife be the parent. And that's the part where at Zen Mango, we have everything is based on, we are humans, feeling business is based on four, you know, eight words. Be human, think human, feel human. Then automatically you'll be acting human. Now, here's a challenge I will give everyone listening. You have in your home, most probably a guest bedroom. When was the last time you slept or napped on that bed? Hmm. I didn't. We had a bed for seven years. Finally, one day, I was taking a nap to realize how uncomfortable it was. I called all my friends who have been there. They all were polite by saying, ah, Arjun, it's okay. Eight years. People who came to my home, I gave them a crappy bed to sleep on because I never tested it myself. So please, two requests to you. One, if you have a guest bedroom, please take a nap on that. And that way you know whether that's the couch or bed you want to offer to others. And secondly, on a serious note, please be a customer in your own business. If you are running a school, please be the parent because that's the only way you can feel where the pain points are. It's not an intellectual discussion. It is a feeling discussion because we are all in the feeling business. Love that. Uh, what a great way of, of, of twisting. Uh, and I was just thinking as I had some guests over this past weekend of asking that them that honest question. So I appreciated, <laughs> I appreciated you bringing that up. So let, let's move now to the, the, the personal side of it. Cause you had an interesting story of, you know, you, you were doing extraordinarily well in the corporate world and, and growing and, and, you had a realization one day that you're not sure for you, this was the right thing to do. Can you, can you share with me um, 
why you made a decision to start Zen Mango and, and, and change, change what you, how you wanted to make a difference in your own personal home and life. Yeah, I just get embarrassed talking about it. It was the day after 9-11. I was sitting with my daughter and realized I didn't know her. I realized each one of us have 24 hours in a day. How we choose to spend it is totally our personal individual choice. I realized in this whole pursuit of climbing faster in the corporate world, there's no other way to say it. I was stealing time from my daughter. And she, what can she do? She cannot even fire me, okay? So to me, that was the day what I realized was if I could do one thing right, I wanted to be a dad first. I quit cold turkey, no plans. And after that, consulting just emerged in that journey. And, you know, when you talk about measures, what I learned was there are so many measures we have on the business side, but we don't put these measures on the relationship side. I realized as my daughter was going through middle school to high school, that I used to make cookies for her before her finals. As she was in her junior year, I did the math that there were six more cookies left. And that changed me. I felt if I can make six cookies for my daughter before she goes to the world beyond, that better be special. And those KPIs in personal life, once I started finding, I started finding more higher level of self-satisfaction, pleasure, like whatever you want to talk about is because relationship KPIs are so incredibly important. Like I found this coolest thing that I didn't know existed and you being a cool dad must be experiencing this is that from school when my daughter came back at exactly 4.10, if I could have the most amazing food ready for her, she would throw the bag, start eating. Of course, with dad, you don't have to clean hands because, you know, tigers and tiger cubs don't clean hands, wash their hands. Nowadays we do. Then she would say, guess what, dad? And for five minutes, she'll open up and tell me every secret in her life. Okay. To me, my daughter is 27 years old, 26, going on 27. Those four 15s are still very special to me. And I'm so glad I took the chance. And now, of course, life is all about balancing. But at the end, my personal request is please find some KPIs in your personal life, in relationships with kiddos, with family, with friends. And that, I think, will really give the higher level of satisfaction in life. That's deep. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I think that's wonderful and, and beautiful advice, Arjun. Um, you know, and I, and I got to imagine your, your relationship with your daughter today is real and alive, right? Because of the investments you put in it in the past years. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Totally. I, I, I remember somebody told me one time before that you can invest your time and your kids, you're going to pay for it one time or another. <laughs> So whether you invest it early on or in the middle or in the late years, you're going to end up putting in time and energy, right? Or, or suffer pain as a result or, or success as you go through. And I, I think that's 
truly is amazing how you had that um, insight and to have the courage, right, to leave a very successful corporate job. But what what's interesting, what you just shared is it you shared it briefly because it wasn't about the personal side. When you follow what you're really intending to do, it has gone very well for you, hasn't it? Yeah, and also if you look at both sides have the same strategy. Mm. When my daughter and myself, we talked day after 9-11, I right away saw where I was going in life is as a 70-year-old man, I'll have two one-minute conversations with my daughter every year. That wasn't what I wanted in life, which means I had to find the barriers. I had to move those barriers. I had to find the first domino. So as you start looking at is both examples are exactly the same. But the only challenge was on the personal life, I had to be a self-consulting to myself. And it was a very painful decision. It didn't come naturally. But again, just like the Papa John's examples, once you commit, commitment is lifelong. Totally be determined, gung-ho about that was very important because I was tempted. The further I was away from the the corporate world, the offers started getting worse, uh, sorry, better and better. And that was really bad for me because the temptation started going up and I just wouldn't, I just wanted to be a dad first. Okay. So this was not a planned question, but you mentioned this. First of all, I love that story. You have uh, an incredible, and you have had incredible impact of those around you from a consulting, from a speaking there's a little bit of wisdom. Your, I believe you said it was your grandmother. I can't remember if it was your grandmother or your mother shared with you about, about being wise in good times and bad. Can you share that little part of like where to, where to put your money away? Because I thought that was a brilliant advice to share, share with others. Yeah, so my grandma, I call her Maiji, at the age of 39, became a widow in India, and this is India 1940s. It was not an easy time for a single woman to raise three kids. She was a traveling salesperson, insurance salesperson. She built a home without a loan. And if you are ever in Kolkata, India, it's a home you must visit because this home is very fascinating. This home was built one room at a time, which means in this house, we have windows between rooms. And she didn't have the money to close those windows, but now you know we keep them open just to. So later on, I asked my grandma, how did you build this massive home without any loan? She gave me this fascinating advice. She said, if you make $1, India it's rupee, but I'm translating. 25 cents goes to our taxes. Another 25 you right away put to one side for your future, your retirement. Another 25 cents goes into the future of those you care about. That is your children's education, children's welfare, all that. What's left is a quarter. Now, instead of living like you're earning a dollar a month, live the life that you're earning a quarter a month. And this to me has been such a wise, amazing advice 
And during COVID times, I really loved, and this helped me out because for you know a lot of us, especially micro entrepreneurs like us, on the speaking side, the income just vanished overnight. But having the discipline of living a quarter life, not a dollar life, was very price, very powerful. And thank my Maiji, my grandma, for that incredible advice. Not she gave, but she lived it. And seeing the house every time reminds me of what she did. Uh, that is wonderful wisdom um, that you shared. Arjun, this has been an awesome discussion. I, I believe uh, everybody who's here is going to appreciate this. What are some books that you would recommend for our listeners? Uh, either something in the past or something recent that you've read that you, you encourage others to, to read? So to me, I just go back to some classics of all times. And again, you know, 80s, 90s, these were the guys who I grew up, Al Rees and Jack Trout. Jack Trout has passed away. And they wrote some incredibly fascinating books. And one of the books I still always go back to is 22 Immaculate Laws of Marketing. What is fascinating is the book, you can pick up any book, any chapter. It's just like a micro nugget, micro story. And I love that writing style. I always go back to you know, Jack and Al always has me covered and got, gets me the wisdom that I go through. Of course, in re recent time, you know, a lot of great books have been written. You know, Tipping Point is such a fascinating book that is there. And of course, my favorite book, which I still haven't got a chance to read, is, I forget this guy, Carl, what's his last name? He's writing this book. It's coming out soon, by June, July. And I think that will be my favorite book and not just me for a lot of us. What's that book called, Carl, again? It's The Seven Cells of Success, How to Navigate Your Strategy with Purpose and uh, in Uncharted cool. Waters. And that is very, very kind of you to mention that. Um, of course, I do encourage you to read Arjun's books as well. And, and thank you for that. For that. But that's a, the Immaculate, 22 Immaculate Laws Market. That is a classic. And I be really believe that those who are listening, if they haven't read that, it's one. there's some these wonderful, beautiful books that you realize when you read it, 300 books were written based on that book. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those real baseline uh, concepts. So we have been here with Arjun Sen from Zen Mango. Where can people learn more about you, Arjun? Just go to zenmango.com. Zen, Z-E-N, mango, the fruit. That's it. Perfect. Well, all right, um, Arjun, it has been, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, this is truly a pleasure. Thank you again. And, and thanking, thank you to everyone else who's been listening to the Measure Success podcast, where we're wishing you the very best at measuring success. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.